more time that we spend in nature and the more that we connect with nature, the more benefits uh, we see. Those can be physical health benefits, uh, mental health that can have a lot of social uh, improvements in, in social sort of life and environment and also for occupational health. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Hi there. Welcome back to Wisdom for Wellbeing. I am delighted to bring you this interview with Leah Haig today. This is a topic that is incredibly close to my heart. We're talking all things nature. So a little bit of background, Leah is a research fellow with the Griffith Business School and a PhD candidate with the Applied School of Psychology at Griffith University. Leah is researching the link between contact and engagement with the natural environment and mental health and well-being in the workplace. So she's collaborated on a number of projects with both public and private sector organizations, and she's really focused on developing employee health and well-being. I think you'll find this interview interesting because... While of course it would be wonderful to get out into the great outdoors as frequently as possible, Leah actually talks through some evidence-based ways of bringing the mental health benefits of nature and the great outdoors into your environment. You know, whether it is the screensaver on your computer or a plant on your desk, I think the idea of you know, connecting and with what for some of us might feel like intuition that we feel better when we're outside, connecting them with the real evidence behind these perceived transformations is really important. You know, and we know that there is clear evidence as to why we might experience an effect. Often that can motivate us to do the things that are in fact most healthful for us. So without further ado, let's dive into this amazing interview with Leah now. Welcome to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. It is a pleasure to have you here today. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. And I have shared a little bit about you and your background and your love of nature in the intro, but would you mind just sharing with people a little bit about who you are and this amazing research that you're doing right now? Yeah, sure. Sure. So I guess my main role at the moment, I'm working as a research fellow um, for Griffith University. So I'm what you call like an early career academic, I suppose. Um, so my background in terms of research and my professional background is in organisational psychology. So I've worked a lot with industry, so on um, intervention sort of programs for occupational stress, health, well-being, that sort of thing. I've done a bit of leadership coaching, um, behaviour change sort of stuff, organisational change and helping organisations to create those sort of supportive cultures and leadership environments that are conducive to well-being. So that's my sort of background. Um, my PhD research, though, uh, is more focused on nature contact and nature connection um, and the link between that and human health and well-being. So it is sort of specific to the workplace, uh, but my knowledge of this area is pretty broad. <laughs> I've been studying it for quite a long time. Um, and I first sort of got interested in this area um, I grew up in Byron Bay, so on the southeast coast of Australia, um, which is 
a very sort of, if, if, if for anyone that's been there, <laughs> it's a very sort of alternative, holistic kind of lifestyle uh, that people lead there. So it's this beautiful mix of, you know, eccentricity and, and nature connection in the people there. Um, so I grew up near the, the beach, the rainforest, um, and then I moved to the city for, um, for uni around 2004, I think it was. And I just noticed this huge deficit in my life, this nature deficit. Um, and I found that when I went back home, you know, to visit, um, I'd come back to the city feeling rejuvenated, relaxed, um, you know, and that sort of allowed me to continue with my studies and my work with a bit more focus and a bit more passion. So then this opportunity came up through the university. Um, I actually originally went to my supervisor with a very different idea, <laughs> more sort of organisational psychology related. Um, but she had already partnered with somebody in the School of Environment who was this really sort of enthusiastic environmental researcher. Um, and so they came to me with the idea of, um, you know, linking psychology um, and nature connection uh, to human health and well-being. Um, so I read the first sort of article about it and realised this research actually goes back about 40 or 50 years. Um, and just seeing that evidence, I think, just really made it all fall into place for me. And it, um, I realised that I could combine that love of nature and that interest in psychology to do really meaningful work that has the potential to help a lot of people. Wow. And it sounds like it was something that you kind of had already experienced yourself, but maybe hadn't linked to the research and the literature around it and hadn't necessarily labeled that that was what was going on for you when you went back home. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so then, you know, when I read that first article, um, so it was more of a, a review of the last sort of, yeah, 40 years of research. This, this stuff goes right back to the eighties. I didn't realize. Um, and then I was able to yeah, sort of quantify like the the feelings that I was getting after after being in nature. So it was reassuring. <laughs> That's it's quite incredible, and it's interesting that you know you've got this background in work as well, because a lot of us when we work we are quite disconnected from nature, and a lot of us when we live in these big cities are quite disconnected from nature. So. Would you mind sharing a bit about what we maybe, you know, might intuitively in some vein know about nature's benefit? Like what is going on? Why is this important for us? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I guess we do spend, um, I think it's around 80 to 90% of our time indoors these days. So, you know, whether that's your work environment or whether you're just um, at home or apartment living, especially in, in, you know, more built up sort of areas, we're spending more and more time indoors. Um, and that's contributing to, so the ideas around this go, like I said, way back to the eighties, um, things like the sick building syndrome, you know, where people are spending all this time indoors, um, they're not getting any sort of fresh air or, uh, access to green space or sunlight or, or any of that sort of thing. Um, and that has a huge impact. Like if you think about you're getting up, you know, in the morning, you're going to an office, um, that's. Uh, you know, you're getting up in the dark, you're commuting to work, you're going to an office that's fluorescent lighting, you're sitting there all day, you know, and coming home maybe even after dark. You know, some people wouldn't even be getting that contact with the sun, let alone the outdoor yeah. <laughs> outdoor kind of world. So um, it does it does create, um, you know, problems when, when people have that sort of nature deficit. And then the other side of that is that the more time that we spend in nature and the more that we connect with nature, the more sort of... Um, benefits uh, we see so those can be physical health benefits uh, mental health that can um, have a lot of social uh, improvements in in social sort of life and environment 
um, and also for occupational health. Obviously, that's of particular interest to me. Would it be okay if we started to work through those? Like, what are the physical benefits of connecting with nature? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think some of the main ones, are, so a lot of these studies have looked at um, on a sort of population health level. Um, so if you're living in greener environments, um, what are the sort of outcomes for those people compared to people who have less green space in their residential or their work environments? And so some of the things that have come out of that is um, improved cardiovascular health, uh, reduced risk of things like obesity, diabetes, high blood pressure, respiratory disorders. Um, it can improve sleep and recovery from some of those physical symptoms of stress. So things like um, headaches, musculoskeletal disorders, um, you know, gastrointestinal issues, all that kind of thing. Um, and then there's the benefits of exercise on top of that as well. So there's this beautiful sort of um, cycle between exercise and green space or exercise outdoors compared to exercise indoors. So when we're exercising outdoors, um, we're amplifying the effects of the exercise, so the health benefits of the exercise, whether that's physical health benefits or mental health benefits, and then vice versa, we're also enhancing those physical and mental health benefits of spending time in nature. So it's this beautiful cycle where they just kind of snowball and add to each other. That's quite incredible. That's stuff. motivating to get outside then, isn't it, for our, <laughs> for our movement. I'm sitting here looking out the window going, oh, <laughs> I need to get out there. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, but in terms of, yeah, mental health, um, I think the main benefits are reduced stress, anxiety, depression are some of the main ones. And again, that's been looked at on like a, a um, population sort of level. But then there's also been more recently uh, a lot of experimental studies done on, you know, using control groups or uh, looking at different clinical samples as well um, and doing actual sort of nature contact or nature connection interventions with these people. So. So what would that look like? Like some half, half of a population are asked to spend more time in nature and half are asked not to and seeing what the difference is if everything else is generally the same or, you know, similar yeah, exactly. lifestyles otherwise. Exactly. So it's, it's like any sort of um, treatment program, if you like. Uh, it can be treated as a, as a treatment. There's actually um, some trials that have been run in the UK. Uh, a bunch of GPs sort of got on board and started doing these nature prescriptions. Uh, prescribing a certain amount of, of nature for um, for those sort of mental health issues, like uh, more more sort of mild issues in terms of like stress, anxiety, depression, as opposed to some disorders that are a bit more involved and need to be treated in different ways. But it's it's good for sort of general mental health. And that's something that's super common, isn't it? Like the vast majority of adults will be reporting high levels of stress and then are more likely to develop clinical levels of anxiety and depression. So that exactly. actually sounds like it could be broadly applicable. Absolutely. Yeah. So the three are so closely linked and, and I hate the word comorbid, but I guess that's the technical term for it is they do tend to happen hand in hand, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, so I mean, that contact with nature in terms of the experiments and that sort of thing that they've done, um, they've done some experiments with attention, memory, cognition as well. So they'll get people, they'll do like a, a nature contact sort of um, intervention with one group and not with the other and get them to do a cognitive task and see which group comes out better. Um, yeah, and the general consensus with those studies is that it does improve our our sustained attention. So there's this whole sort of theory around um, attention restoration theory that spending time in, in nature um, can help us to restore our attention because it gives us that sort of unfocused time for our mind to wander. 
That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely something that I implement day to day. I'll go on my walk in the morning through the park just to, you know, and I'll listen to music and that sort of thing, but make sure I sort of take time to look around at the trees and the sunlight coming in and, you know, um, it just gives my mind that time to think about whatever it wants to think about so that then when I get back to my desk, I can, you know, get on with the more focused tasks. So, yeah, I find that really helpful. It's almost like nature has created this perfect meditative opportunity for us or some sort of like soothing, I guess, system in which we can spend some time and reap the rewards later, even though maybe we might assume that spending time in nature isn't, and I'm saying with um, air quotes, the bunny ears right now, productive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's it. It might not in the short term seem like the productive thing to do to take that time out and go and do that. Um, but actually the research shows that it really does help with our sustained attention and our cognitive, the way that we're thinking about things, um, our productivity, even job satisfaction, that kind of thing in the workplace. So that's incredible. And how, how does this link to social as well? Because this is a whole other element, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So there's been a lot of studies and this is sort of, um, uh, a bit outside of the the research that I'm doing in in the workplace about the sort of physical mental health benefits. Um, so they've looked at uh, pro-social and, and helping behaviours and social cohesion. Um, they've also found that spending more time in nature can lead to things like pro-environmental behaviours and environmentally responsible behaviours. So the more time you spend in nature, the more time you spend connecting with nature. Um, there's some sort of effect where you want to connect and help people and connect and, and help the environment as well, which is an amazing sort of flow on effect. Um, and then there's some, some other more uh, focused social investigations that have been done. So things like um, the greening of, of vacant lots. And so in the neighbourhoods where they've done these sort of greening projects, they've found reduced levels of crime in the area, which wow. is really cool. And um, Another really cool study that I like is one they did in a prison with, um, with people in solitary confinement. And so these people are only let out into like an indoor sort of exercise yard for an hour a day and they get to walk around this exercise yard. Um, and so they gave half of the um, inmates uh, just the regular sort of walk around the exercise yard and the other half they let them actually watch videos and see pictures of nature on the walls of the exercise yard. Um, and then they found that the ones who got the, the nature pictures and the nature videos for their walk, they actually had less sort of incidences of aggression and antisocial behaviour towards other inmates and towards the staff as well. So, and that was reported by um, both the prisoners and the staff, which was really cool. That's incredible. So just seeing pictures can elicit an effect for us. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So obviously more sort of extended and involved um, kind of interactions with nature. So if you're going on like a four day hike or, you know, staying and camping out in the wilderness um, for, for a few days, that's going to have more sort of effect and more benefit than just looking at pictures. But we do still see some effects um, from those sort of um, less extended, less intense sort of nature experiences. Yeah. With, um, with regards to the pro-social behaviour, is there any, I guess, theory around the mechanisms for why we might be nicer when we're in nature? Um, yeah, I don't know if they've looked into it that far yet. Um, so the main sort of, one of the main studies that I'm 
um, thinking of was they they had like a confederate, so somebody in the experiment that the other people in the experiment didn't know <laughs> was, um, you know, uh, doing something. And um, uh, so they had the confederate sort of um, walk through this park and drop something in the park and wait to see if somebody would pick it up. And so in those sort of park environments, people would often stop, pick up the thing, give it to the confederate or the person who was sort of there in disguise in the experiment. Um, and then they did the same experiment in a built environment and found the opposite. People didn't stop and they didn't help. So I think, um, so there was that one. And then there's another article that sort of talks about it as um, nature as a, an occasion for unselfing. So thinking outside of yourself and thinking uh, more about, and this comes um, into the whole nature connection side of it as well, is thinking about yourself as part of a bigger whole. Um, so as as a, a human that's in, interconnected with all other living things, so whether that's animals, plants, or other people. Um, so it sort of, it, it makes sense, <laughs> but um, there hasn't been a whole lot of research into the actual mechanisms of why that happens um, just yet. They're still sort of looking at the effect as a whole. Well, that's really incredible to think that by being outside, somehow we're connecting into something else that we are feeling good, that it's great for our mental health, that our movement practices, our exercise, the benefits can actually be enhanced, that it's so good even just being out there for our physical well-being. And somehow we are, yeah, shifting our focus, our awareness. I guess in terms of how this links in with occupational health, given that, you know, for the vast majority of us, we spend most of our waking hours in a workplace of some regards or, you know, in an apartment or house, how, how can we use this research? What is this research? <laughs> yeah, sure. So the main set of research that's been done in the occupational health sort of field um, is around obviously productivity is a big concern for occupational researchers. We want to know if um, you know these effects can be um, used to sort of focus our, us and and make us be able to work better and, and faster and harder. And <laughs> they have found with those studies that yeah, it does it does increase productivity, and that may be due to you know higher job satisfaction, um, less stress, better mental health in the workplace. Um, which can be sort of linked back to, you know, spending more time in nature or engaging with more, more nature at work. Uh, and that could be, you know, going for a walk on your lunch break. It could be taking a, uh, a walking meeting. It could be just having plants on your desk in the office or a view from a window, you know, it doesn't have to be anything big. Um, in fact, a lot of the job satisfaction stuff has been done with, um, with just plants in the office. So they've done experiments where they've put a plant on the desk and then measured people's job satisfaction over time and it increases over time if they've got more of a aesthetically pleasing environment and an environment that sort of encourages them to stop and, and take those brief breaks that really helps with, with satisfaction and productivity. So, yeah. Um, but then there's more sort of uh, concrete examples as well, like they've, um, you know, implemented... Uh, nature walks that during lunch breaks and um, found that people take less sick leave when they do that 
um, which was really interesting. So that's these super interesting. Are, yeah, yeah. And again, just because you're like not working during that walking break, and some people I know would probably be tempted to eat lunch at their desk. So how interesting! Taking a break yeah. actually decreases sick leave. So I guess yeah. being at one's desk over time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so there is obviously benefit to just taking the break in itself, but some some of the studies have shown that there's even more benefit to taking that break in nature or taking a bit of a nature micro break even, you know, stopping and looking out the window at a nature view or something like that. Yeah. I like the concept of a micro break. That sounds very achievable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so some of the studies have shown, um, I think there was one where they looked at nature sounds in an office waiting room and even just, um, I think they did like 10, 20 and 30 seconds and even the 10 second um, nature sound uh, micro breaks contributed to, to people's well-being. So that was really oh, cool. Wow. So yeah. Like these are a number of different areas. So all of us are probably, you know, we all have bodies. So we can all be thinking of our physical health and our mental health, thinking of, you know, what it might be like to show up as our better, kinder self. So that pro-social behavior, as well as maybe finding ways to bring nature into our workplace. Could we talk through some deliberate strategies or was there any more research that might be relevant for the listeners to understand first? <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think we've covered most of the main things. In terms of getting the most out of our time in nature, it's really focusing on those things that we know amplify the effects. So things like um, spending more time or having more intense sort of nature experiences can be better. Um, doing exercise in natural environments, being social in natural environments, and also really focusing on that um, nature connection piece. So I talked about this briefly before, I think, in terms of um, that idea of being interconnected with all living things and feeling, um, having a sort of sense of self that includes nature. So feeling like you're a part of a bigger whole. So um, actually really stopping and engaging and connecting to nature can mean that we get a lot more out of our experiences in nature as well. And so there's a few ways, there's some research that's been done in the UK. Uh, there's a nature connection research group at the University of Derby there. Um, and so they've done some research looking at the pathways to nature connection. So what are the things that we can do to increase this feeling of, of nature connection? And so they found five different things. Um, so they looked at connecting through the senses. So literally stopping and smelling the flowers. <laughs> um, oh, <beautiful>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, emotionally connecting with nature. So um, they did a, a really cool experiment where they got people to log in an app um, on their phone, three good things that they noticed in nature each day, um, just to connect and, and engage emotionally. And so, um, that app's now available for iPhone. I think it's called, uh, nature notes and it's part of a, a bigger app, um, called go jauntly, which is a, a walking sharing walks, um, kind of app for the UK, but the nature notes part obviously is available for anyone to use. So I'll put that in the show notes so listeners, you'll be able to find a link there. Yeah. Yeah. Really handy little tool that's just come out. So, um, then the next one was beauty. So engaging with nature through art, music, words, really appreciating the beauty of nature, um, making meaning out of nature. So, uh, celebrating nature in different ways, exploring how it appears in stories and poems and art and that sort of thing. 
Uh, and then compassion. So this is the caring for nature part. So we talked before about, you know, pro-environmental behaviours. So that can be a pathway to connecting with nature is also taking care of it. So what does all that have to do with <laughs> what we can, some strategies that we can actually use, you know, to, to, um, to reap the benefits of nature and to really connect and engage? Um, so I mentioned exercise before. So I think um, combining exercise and um, social interaction in nature can be really effective. So whether you're going for a walk with a friend or doing like an outdoor boot camp, um, there's a lot of outdoor yoga classes. Uh, we talked about, you know, taking those sort of mindful breaks, the micro breaks. Um, so meditation, mindfulness, um, stopping and noticing those good things in nature that we talked about before. Uh, grounding exercises is another great one. So um, for those who don't know, grounding is where you sort of um, take the time to physically connect with. It doesn't necessarily have to be a natural element. There are grounding exercises that don't involve nature. Um, but in terms of a, a nature exercise that you could do, it could be, you know, taking your shoes off, your shoes and socks and just um, connecting with the grass physically through your feet and just taking a moment, a mindful moment to really just be present. Um, and that can have huge benefits for, for well-being, for attention, for, um, you know, the whole range of sort of benefits that we talked about. Um, things like gardening, listening to nature sounds. Um, yeah, loads, loads of different things uh, depending on, you know, what context you're in, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, whether you can get out and about or whether you need to sort of bring nature more indoors into your environment. Um, plenty of options there, I think, for everyone. That's great. So people can start to be thinking about, okay, well, how can I make use of nature most effectively, which is, again, it's got that productivity slant, but that's our society too, isn't it? So we think, okay, what can I do to maximize these benefits? And we know that exercising outside is going to maximize the benefits of nature and exercise and coupling it with social engagement has another added benefit as well. That, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess when we talked through the fact that a a lot of us are feeling very stressed and then might be more prone to like experiences of anxiety or depression. It might be harder to get ourselves outside or make this space for ourselves. But sometimes when we've got a commitment to someone else or it is a social engagement, we're more likely to start this process, get the ball rolling and start this, this dosage of nature, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I also like the idea that they can be micro breaks as well, because for anyone listening, like it doesn't mean that you have to commit like two hours to go on a giant hike. You can go out and smell the flowers quite literally. And that benefit of engaging with nature in those moments or taking your shoes off and standing in the grass or, you know, maybe holding onto a stone or a branch or something while you're outside, that that's something that's accessible and doable. And it doesn't sound like you're saying it doesn't need to take that much time. No, no, it definitely doesn't. It can be a consistent sort of additive effect. So, you know, if you're being consistent with it and you're doing something um, every day, if you can, even if it's only, you know, taking a short moment out to notice your indoor plants or have a look out the window or, you know, have a look at a, a picture on the wall or on your screensaver on your computer, um, you know, the, all of those little moments add up. 
you know. So there was this sort of idea around um, exercise back in the day that, you know, we had to do a hardcore workout for <laughs> an hour or more to get our exercise in. And then it sort of moved more to, well, you know, incidental exercise is, is also really um, effective. And it's the same sort of thing with getting your nature dose in. You don't have to do it all at once. It does, it can be sort of incremental and it can build up as long as you're sort of consistent with it. So um, there was a study done not long ago that showed that about two hours a week total um, was sort of the most effective threshold. And that was kind of a, um, from a public health perspective. So looking at, um, you know, the areas that people lived in, the green spaces that they, that they visited um, and the overall sort of benefits for that population. So I thought that was interesting that, you know, we've got some idea of how much you sort of need as a dose in a week and then you can sort of split that up however, yeah. you, however you like. And obviously that's just one study and there's different ideas about it. Like we talked about, you know, just doing a, a 10 second nature sounds micro break um, compared to doing a three or four day hike in the wilderness, um, you know, but yeah, uh, apparently around uh, two hours a week is, well, it gives us something good, to aim, aim for, for, doesn't it? Like it <laughs> yeah. gives us a place to start. And I guess yeah. if people notice benefits and they go, oh, wow, like I feel like I'm more productive, I'm more effective at work. Maybe it makes sense for me to do this a little bit more or my health feels like it's improving. I've got more energy. That's going to be its own feedback. It can be experimental for everyone. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's a, it's a personal process of trial and error to find what sort of, um, what sort of strategies work for you? You know, everything doesn't work for, for everyone. So I find that um, walking really helps me, but I do prefer, you know, although the social um, aspect is sort of shown in the research to um, add to the benefits, I find that I really enjoy that time to walk solo. And like I said, just to give my, my mind that time to, to wander. Yeah. Um, but other people might find that they get more benefits and it might be your more sort of extroverted types. <laughs> that, but there's a temperament uh, element. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that tend to get more out of that social interaction in nature as well. That makes a lot of sense. So we can all kind of look at what works for us and we'd all have different access to different um, situations. If we're in an office that doesn't have any windows, we could look at bringing in our own plants or getting some pictures up on the wall of green space or nature and trying to modify our environment to suit us and what feels good for us, I gather. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it will depend on your schedule and, you know, the sort of context that, that you're in, whether you're working from home or whether you need, have to go into an office at the moment. Um, it will depend on um, how you can sort of squeeze these, uh, these strategies in. But um, something that's sort of been shown consistently in, in the research is that it's really about prioritising and making time for it as much as you can. So, and the more that you do it, um, ironically, the more important it becomes to you. And so it sort of becomes one of those positive cycles as well. What about like going out into your backyard or your uh, like a local forest or down at the beach? Like, does it make any difference where you go? Is the research kind of quantifying the benefit of different sorts of nature? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The research has sort of delved into the sorts of environments that are um, showing the most benefits. And so they do find that natural environments that contain a body of water uh, can be more effective. So places like the beach or, you know, a local waterfall or a lake or um, something with a body of water 
um, people find more aesthetically pleasing and more restorative. Um, so that's really interesting. And then we talked a bit uh, before about, uh, you know, more sort of intense nature experiences. So they found that more uh, biodiversity can increase the effects as well. So, you know, if you're in a national park and, and seeing all these new sort of animals and trees and, and plants compared to just visiting the local football field, say, that's just, you know, one big patch of green, um, yeah, you're going to get more out of the, the national park visit than, than you would to the local green space. Um, However, like I said, it's a bit about consistency as well. So, you know, if you're going to the national park once a month um, compared to visiting your local park every day or a couple of times a week, you're probably going to get more out of visiting your local park a couple of times a week. So it just depends what works for you and your schedule and what you enjoy, the activities that you enjoy. Um, you know, if you're, if you're forcing yourself to do these things, you're not going to get the enjoyment out of it. You're not going to get the benefits out of it. You know, you might still reap some of the physical benefits of getting outdoors and, and getting some fresh air and some exercise, but um, you won't get the sort of well-being benefits from it if it's a chore, you know, so you've got to make it something that you enjoy. Yeah. So something that's reasonable. So particularly if maybe this hasn't been a part of your regular routine, making it accessible. So if it's a walk around the block, that might be more accessible than trying to muster up the energy to get in your car to drive to a national park at the end of a work day. We need to make it achievable for ourselves and give ourselves that benefit of consistency. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Ali, where can people find out more? I know that you have a tip sheet on LinkedIn. So the 10 things we can do to benefit from nature. Are you happy for people to reach out to you there? It, like what are the easiest options to, to really soak, soak up your wisdom? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's probably a great place to start. Um, I do share a lot of articles via LinkedIn and also Twitter um, as well. So we can put those details up for people. So I'm happy for people to reach out and connect with me, email me if you have questions. I'm always happy to to have a chat about this stuff. It is my big area of interest, my big passion in life at the moment. So, um, yeah, always always happy to send through information if anybody is is interested in learning more about this. That's perfect. Then I can put all of those links in the show notes as well. And you mentioned that if people do keep following you on LinkedIn, that in the near future, when you have a specific article published, then the um, scale that you've developed around nature will be available. Would you mind just sharing a little bit about that so people know to keep their, um, to keep their eyes out because it sounds fantastic as a way of measuring what's going on for us. Yeah, sure, sure. So when I sort of started looking at this concept of nature connection, um, I found that there was a, a lot of sort of debate in the literature about how it should be defined and because it's such an abstract sort of concept. It was there was a lot of people saying, well, you know, it's a, it's a trait. You either are more connected to nature or you're not. Um, and therefore you either get more out of spending time in nature or you don't. And I didn't really, that, that um, sort of concept didn't really gel well with me because I'm like, well, if that's the case and it's just set, then, you know, it's not something that we can improve or, or work on. Surely it's, it's, you know, something that increases when you're spending more time in nature. And so I looked at other research um, that did in fact say the more time you spend in nature, the more connected you become to it. Um, so this led me down this sort of um, state approach to, to nature connection, where it's a, a state that we can increase by spending more time in nature and by doing these sort of activities to engage and connect more with nature. And there was no sort of um, solid way, I felt, no sort of psychometrically valid way to measure this concept as a state. 
um, as something that we can measure sort of before and after an intervention to see if it's worked or, you know, something we can do as a, a personal sort of check-in. Um, and so I worked with a consultant over in Scotland to come up with, so she does sort of um, nature coaching and nature consulting. And uh, I worked with her to come up with some questions and we did like a, she did like a qualitative study where she asked a lot of people about what it means to them um, and the different parts that sort of make up nature connection. And then we um, ran that by a bunch of experts in the field <laughs> and, um, and yeah, did obviously a lot of statistics and that sort of thing on it to whittle it down to the best questions to measure this state nature connection concept. And so that's the scale that I'll hopefully be publishing <laughs> before the end of the year. Um, and I'll have that up on, on both my LinkedIn and my Twitter when that becomes available. So it will be free for um, non-commercial purposes. So and that's fantastic because what an, an amazing thing to track is a bit of motivation, you know, as we go along. If it's hard for us to get out into nature in the beginning, perhaps that'll be captured. And then maybe the more we introduce nature into our lives, we see the change on the scale and we can be tracking that ourselves as a bit of feedback. And who doesn't like a little bit of a personal development project? Um, you know, doing like a baseline check using the survey and then doing it again in, say, six months' time. You know, where have I improved? Where, what other sort of activities could I incorporate into my routine to, to become more nature-connected and reap some more of these benefits? Well, thank you so much, Lee. So listeners, make sure that you are turning your, your attention to a window, a plant, getting yourself out in nature today and yeah, finding a way through this sick building syndrome, this nature deficit that our society is suffering and allowing yourself that time to engage in attention restoration, our unselfing and really kind of, I guess, getting back into that health that is nature connection and that sense of alignment and rejuvenation. Thank you, Lee. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. I hope that you enjoyed that interview with Leah as much as I did. I think it's a really wonderful way of understanding and conceptualizing what nature means for us and also provide some really useful strategies around how we can couple benefits, you know, doing physical activity outside, for instance. As mentioned, I will be putting the links to her LinkedIn article in the show notes, as well as her Twitter link, so you can connect with her at Leah Haig on Twitter, and I'll put all of those details in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for listening and joining in with us here. As always, it means the world to us if you are enjoying these episodes to leave a review. It helps other find the podcast and really gives us a sense as to the areas that are benefiting you most in creating well-being in your life. All right, have a wonderful week. Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.